All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Ramil. However, and wherever you might be tuning in, YouTube or your favorite podcast app, thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Uh, the Athletic reported this week that the Grizzlies will not be re-signing Dylan Brooks under any circumstances, David. So now we know that Dylan Brooks is going to be a free agent this summer, and it's worth asking if he should be a target for the Miami Heat. Now, before you answer that, David, let me read you uh, what John Hollinger, who drafted Dylan Brooks in 2017, wrote. Quote, the answer to the conundrum of where Brooks best fits is that he belongs in the spot where it's easiest for him to straddle the line, where he can be an aggressive bulldog defender without needlessly poking bears or goats, where he can be a secondary offensive weapon without getting overly thirsty, and where his edge and work ethic help inspire an overachieving team as it did in Memphis the previous two seasons. Sounds an awful lot like the Heat, doesn't it, David? Yeah, 100%. I, I know there's a lot of narrative building over the last few weeks. And I know even for some Heat fans in particular, seeing Dylan Brooks shove a cameraman while the Memphis Grizzlies were traveling to Miami for a game a couple weeks ago, months ago. I can't remember exactly when it was. Yeah, it was like the last left couple a pretty, weeks of the season. Yeah. Yeah, it left a dirty taste in everyone's mouth. And I, and I absolutely understand that. Yeah. Sometimes, again, the line, as Hollinger wrote it, is what's driven Dylan Brooks to get to this point. It was a pretty interesting piece and something that I don't think a lot of fans consider is that in order for players to get to be this good, whether you're talking about the 18th man on the bench or anything like that, you have to develop some kind of an edge to the point where I've talked to players and they've told me you have to develop almost like a split personality, one that's more aggressive, one that's angrier, one that's almost hateful in a way, because that's the only way you can exist at this level. That's not good for your therapist. Or, I mean, maybe it's good for your therapist, at least for their college kid, you know, their kids' college <laughs> tuition. But as far as it's not good for yourself, you know, but it's also the necessary edge that for some players, yeah. a vast majority, I'd say, need to get to this level. They can't just walk that line. Like, you know, you talk about Duncan Robinson and imposter syndrome and everything else like that. For Dylan Brooks, like in that same Hollinger piece, yeah, he, he you know, he was maybe somewhat out of shape for NBA shape. And so he had to develop that kind of anger in order to fuel him. And that sounds like it's a perfect fit for heat culture. And, yeah. and to take that anger and to wield it and mold it and sharpen it into a useful tool rather than just be a complete chaos, which is what it was in Memphis. Not to say that that structure in Memphis didn't exist, but between the front office, it didn't exist. The coaching staff did not exist, yeah, and that's that's fair. I, I the players I not, themselves, there was I'm no accountability. Surprised. There's no accountability. I'm not surprised that everything that happened with John Moran and everything, and then when Dylan Brooks went, this has always been Dylan Brooks. Okay, we know that, but it, it just went to the other level, as John Hollinger wrote. He crossed the line, right? He was always sort of straddling the line. Then you cross the line. Draymond Green crossed the line when he punched Jordan Poole in the face. This is, it happens. Um, it doesn't surprise me that it all sort of spiraled out of control after they traded Danny Green away. Danny Green was, he didn't play, but he was and in that was, locker was room. And Steven Adams hurt too. Was and was Steven, Steven Adams, Adams hurt. hurt. But, but even Steven Adams, people think because of the beer and everything, they think he's like 35. Oh, right. He's not. He's only 27, right? Yeah, he's only 27 years old. Like, uh, Danny Green has won championships. He's been with the Spurs. He's been around, man. Like, that guy has so much weight in locker rooms. And when you trade him away... Now you've got John Morant going off on his own and partying and getting into trouble and all these other things coming out with him. 
And then the Dylan Brooks stuff kind of spirals. There's nobody there really like when he's saying this stuff about LeBron in the playoffs, there's no Danny Green there to be like, hey, man, why don't we just bring this back a little bit? I've played this guy in the playoffs. You have it back. Yeah, Yeah, like you don't know what – like when you poke, like he's going to come back, and that's what exactly what happened. And so I I look at what it is that the Miami Heat have in place, and you think Dylan Brooks is getting away with that in Udonis Haslam's locker room, in Jimmy Butler's locker room? In Bam That's Adebayo's locker room, even I, I think I, I, what's the the Grizzlies coach name is uh, Taylor Jenkins. He's a very good coach X's and O's, but he's new. He's green. You think Spo knows how to relate to these players and and mm. kind of figure out those things much better than I think a, a greener coach would. And so, look, I'm not saying it would be without speed bumps, but it would be a lot more manageable in Miami's locker room. And you know how yes. I know that is because we already saw it with Jimmy Butler, a different degree We've of seen player, it a dozen times. But yeah, a dozen times. Birdman. Birdman. Dion Waiters. James Johnson. Alonzo Mourning. Everybody thinks of him as this linchpin of the community. You know why he got a trade to Miami? Because he was an asshole in Charlotte and they didn't want to have anything to do with him. Yeah. The same kind of bad reputation that Dylan Brooks currently has. Alonzo was a malcontent who wanted to get paid a shit ton of money and he wasn't going to get it from the Hornets' ownership. And so they traded him. For what they thought, look at looking at Glenn Rice and Khalid Reeves and 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 Matt Geiger. That's not much of a package for an All Star. Glenn Rice time, with or without the flat top at that point. Uh, with, 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 with. Mm-hmm. Wait, I think Ooh, it might no, have been maybe he had shaved it. He might have shaved it right before that. That's probably what happened. That's probably why that didn't yeah. work out for Charlotte. I don't I think, think that's the big what question. It was. But but with somebody like Zoe, right? Obviously, it ended up being worth it. Defensive Player of the Year, best stretch of the Heat's franchise uh, at that point. Sure. Um, with Birdman, obviously was worth it. 27-game win streak immediately after signing him. Um, with Jimmy Butler, clearly, that was worth it. And I, I bring this up all the time, but I was I was kind of trying to find like old quotes about the Jimmy Butler trade, about uh, what it was like when he was in Philly and Minnesota. And a lot of the stuff really does sort of echo the same stuff with Dylan Brooks, right? And I always come across the CBS trade grades thing. I don't know if it's like my Google algorithm. Every time I like hmm. go back to Jimmy Old it kind of lifts up to the top of my... And they gave the heat a B for that because of the baggage that Jimmy Butler comes with. And they gave the Sixers an A, even though they only got Josh. They didn't even get the pick in that deal. They just got Josh Richardson. (laughs) It was crazy. Anyway, I'm, I'm off the rails there. It's a pattern of Miami trading for these kinds of players and maximizing what they bring to the table because other organizations don't have that structure. Don't have that accountability. Don't have Pat Riley, Udonis Haslam, Eric Spolstra, and the stability of an organization that's been there since 1995 and continues to be there 31 years later. The that's big question the is, is it? And Heat culture has to do. The question is, is the player worth it? Is what it is that Dylan Brooks brings on the point. court worth it? So let's go through some of the pros and cons here. And then I do want to kind of touch on in a second what it is that the Heat can do in order to sign Dylan Brooks. Do they even have the cap space? How would that even work? But um, there, is there even a need? Is there even a need? So in terms of the pros of Dylan Brooks, he's a little bit of like one of those Patrick Beverly defenders, and it kind of feels like he's doing more than he actually is. There's a lot of like kind of needless fouls that he does. And, yeah, but he is a great wing defender. Like I would have had him on my uh, all NBA defense team if I had a vote. Like, he, uh, um, well, they only have two teams. I I think I might have been on my first team. He had a great year. He's a very he was very important to to Memphis's defense over the last few years. He is a great wing defender who can play alongside Jimmy and Bam, um, in that way right because side, he also six, does seven to twenty five. 
He has a negative wingspan, but yeah. at the same time, he's got care. the sturdiness to yeah. match up. Like everybody, kind of like everything that everybody a, says about Josh Hart, you know, yeah. I think is in the series. He's similar to that. He would be like a similar to Josh Hart. They obviously have different games, but just in terms of like, doesn't really need the ball, hustles a lot, always kind of doing that stuff. Uh, one uh, of those guys that you want on your team, as long as he's not kind of going over that line that Hollinger wrote about. But, um, and then I, I think you could play him almost like Jay Crowder. Right, I, he's not as big as Jay Crowder, but he's strong like yeah. Jay Crowder. You know, like I like in on this team, he would be starting at the four. Yeah. Ideally, that's not his position, <laughs> but you could probably do that if you wanted to. Um, and then he does like if I you're said, starting Caleb at power forward, you can start Dylan Brooks at power forward. Yeah, and I actually was thinking like I was kind of like going through this and daydreaming like of a lineup of Tyler Hero, Caleb Martin, Jimmy Butler, Dylan Brooks, and Bam Adebayo. That is a very good defensive team with enough shot making between Tyler and Jimmy and whatever it is that Bam's going to give you. Um, and Dylan Brooks, because let's not forget, like part of the reason well, why he's not going to be signing. Yeah, I mean, this is a con is that he wants a bigger role in the Memphis offense and he wasn't going to get it with John Morant there, with Desmond Bain there. Like, yeah, he just... took too many shots. You kind of have to wrangle him in on the court. Be like, maybe not do that one. The other, but the thing is, like, this was only a problem. to tell him no? Last couple yeah, of years. All... And exactly. There's nobody yeah. to tell him no. There's no Jimmy Butler to just be like, dude, no, it's my, Don't I'm not. That. And, yeah. and, you know, I, I think John Morant is is a superstar talent no doubt about it obviously still learning to be a superstar leader obviously he's got his That's own not even a critique. right exactly um but the thing is if, if dylan brooks is shooting 35 percent from three-point range the way he did over his first four seasons i'm okay with him taking threes right but he's yeah. shot 32 percent over the last two so i think there's a fair question to be like is this guy three and d or is this guy just d you know because that three part really hasn't been part of the equation over the last couple of years and yeah. um and, and i think that's part of the scouting process is being like, what is this jumper really? Is it something that we could fix? Can he rediscover that like mid thirties? Like he doesn't need to go out and shoot 40%. He doesn't need to be like what, what the heat hope Duncan Robinson and Max Struess to be, but he just right. in those mid thirties with that level of defense, that's a good player. That's a helpful player. Yeah. I, again, I think there is a role for him. Like there's a lot of talk now. It's like, Oh, nobody wants him. This is not somebody in their late thirties or something like that, that has just burned his way off a team. Like he he has enough talent. Again, he's a starter on a playoff team and has been for a number of years. Like that's not something you're going to discount and overlook. So he won at a high level of, at Oregon too, Final Four. Like that guy has been right. around winning basketball a lot. And he was their best player on the team. So I, yep, there's a lot to consider. There. Like, he's not. He's yeah. He's not. He's not a, a, a he's not a scrub. And I hate saying that because but that's the interpretation a lot of people have of like you know guys that maybe are on their way out of the league is oh they're washed up they're no longer any good etc that's not who dylan brooks is like there is there baggage yeah sure i don't because yeah. he walks that line yeah but i think it's also being overstated i think look he burned his way out of memphis well he's an easy think, easy punching bag man like he put himself in the joke yeah like uh he's not gonna do that th th those emails that we always get from like he's jim shapiro there's something yeah. new did you see this one today i think it was this afternoon uh, most negative tweets about an NBA player. And it was like Dylan Brooks at like 7 million bad tweets. And I was like, those are all the tweets about Dylan Brooks. Like they're all negative. Like it, he's such an easy, and he deserves it. He act like a fool in the playoffs, man. Like it was, it was stupid. It was just flatly dumb what he did. But I think if you put him in the right locker room, uh, I there's and with players who can hold him accountable. I think that there's a, there's an, a possibility that some of that stuff doesn't happen. If he was in that kind of locker room, look, now, I, I will say, can I add a con to that, though, if, if we're sure. looking at pros and cons? Yeah, yeah, let's wrap the, that part the up. The fact that Udonis won't be in that locker room is a big concern. I did consider that, but he's going to be around the team next yes. year, even after and, retirement, and, and he'll still and no, be helpful. I mean, I've talked about it a number of times, the difference between what makes Udonis Udonis and so effective and such a voice and a power in that locker room. And look, Dylan Brooks himself, 
shouted out Udonis Haslam as a veteran that commands respect and has earned that respect across the NBA. We're kind of overlooking that. This was a story a month and a half ago when Dylan Brooks said it. And again, it was kind of like a, a subtext to some other jackassery of yeah, some sure. other yeah, comment yeah, yeah. that he said. I can't recall exactly what the conversation was, but when he mentioned a veteran that he respects, it was Udonis Haslam. So yeah, you don't so, think that Haslam would, yeah, Haslam would carry that respect. I know it'll be a little bit different for new players who were not, we're not in the locker room with UD as a player, but since Dylan Brooks has such reverence for him, I think he would listen if UD was saying, maybe don't do this with LeBron or this yeah, superstar. Yeah, or maybe yeah, just, yeah. hey, like, take it Rate from it me. In, don't do this. You know, and, yeah, 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 exactly. And like I said, Jimmy Butler can do that. Bam Adebayo can do that. Eric Spolstra can do that. Like, there is just a, a, a level of accountability that exists in that Miami locker room. And other locker rooms, too. It's not just the Miami Heats. that clearly did not exist in that Memphis locker room. And this is why, like, not to, and I don't want to do this, so I'll be quick with this, but, like, the whole Sam Presti stuff and the Daryl Morey stuff about like, you know, or earlier Daryl Morey, not really current Daryl Morey, but like, hey, let's just get as many of like these young guys and see who pops in that locker room. I was like, no, you're missing sort of the culture setting stuff. Yeah. And it's yeah. a big reason why I think the Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden thing didn't work in OKC and they never won a championship. It worked, but they never won a championship. Uh, it's because they never really had wow. that guy. You know what I mean? And, and Nick Collison erasure. That's that's crazy. Talk. All right. Uh, all apologies to to Nick Collison and, and everything wow. that's due to him. But um, all right. So in terms of so I think we hit the pros and cons there. He's a pretty, he's a simple player, right? At best, he's a three and D player. At worst, he's a, a defensive menace. Do you think his is offense impactful. is salvageable? Because I think I that's a big question about what happens. Whatever team he joins, whether it's Miami or yeah, I think else. he's not take. His, and by the way, he did take fewer shots and fewer dumb shots as this but he season wanted a went bigger on. Role. He does want a bigger role, but we've seen this even in the past with a guy like PJ Tucker. It's like, what is a bigger role? I don't think Dylan Brooks wants a bigger role the way that Jalen Brown wants a bigger role. Jalen Brown wants to be like the star. Dylan Brooks, I think, is self-aware enough to be like, yeah, I'm not John Morant. I get that. I think he just wants to be able to do a little bit more where we saw that with PJ Tucker last, his one year in Miami. It was like, all he wanted to do was just like attack off the dribble once in a while. And I think that's just kind of what Dylan Brooks wants. And just not to be, like, yelled at every time he takes a three. Like, he's, like, second coming of Mario Chalmers. But um, I would go for it. I would. Yeah. Uh, I think he'll probably go for the mid-level exception. The Heat have some tax, luxury tax concerns. But if they can keep that taxpayer mid-level exception, which would mean Didn't other things happening. What? Didn't they use that for Kevin Love? Uh, they could, the they could, or they could use, or or they could just re-sign him with like the early bird. No, but didn't they use it? Oh, didn't they to sign him? Um, yeah, I think they did. Yeah, but they the can, three million. I don't know what happens with this new CBA if you get the new or oh, whatever. If there's a portion of it that you can enough. use, or oh no, I'm sorry, the but they used, no, they, no, they didn't use because they're not a taxpayer team this year. So I think they they had their regular mid level for this league calendar year, okay, non taxpayer, and then next year when they end the tax, they would get the taxpayer MLE. So. Um, I think that they could use that. I, if the question is, do they want to use it, depending on how close they are to the tax? But and I, I honestly, I, I think if they were to sign them, I think it would be like what Dion signed when he originally joined the team in 2015, a one plus one, which is the second year as a player option. It's a make it right, you know, prove it deal, where you get an opportunity a year to prove to yourself, to the Heat, to the rest of the NBA that you can be the best version of yourself. We've seen it tested here. Like Dion Waiters, again, was a player who didn't have any kind of place to call home. He had been on a number of teams already between Cleveland and Oklahoma City, and yeah. no one knew what to do with his talent. He, he was very good here. That Everybody had was, wanted to collectively or get, forget that. He was good here. He, like, yeah. he earned that, that oh, I think second we remember that, and, and he did. And he was, yeah, he had that great year with 7-11, the whole thing, the – 
Yeah, 41-41. Um, the interesting thing about Dylan Brooks right now is that the Grizzlies have already told everybody that he's not coming back. So now if you're a team... Now, wait, that, there is that, some debate about that, though. I think there was a debate whether or not it came from the Grizzlies for an office or from Dylan's people. Well, whatever happened, he's not going back to Memphis. I think that much... No. Like, that bridge yeah, burned. No, yeah. So whatever, so whatever yeah. the reason is, it's clear he's not going back to Memphis. And that's, to me, the interesting thing because now if you're an opposing team looking for a defensive-minded wing, whether you're Miami, maybe Atlanta, you know, like teams Chicago, like that, like, uh, yeah. Houston... Like teams that are trying to do something here with their defense. You see, you can't do uh, Houston though, right? Like I saw that name being linked, and it's like that's already a whatever the, the locker room. Whatever the team is, if you now have an opportunity to think about Dylan Brooks and if you want to go there, because you're not really sure in other, you know, in any other free agent situation, is this team going to resign their dude? What's going to happen here? Like you know, Dylan Brooks is going to be an unrestricted free agent now if you're an opposing yeah. team, and now you have time to think about the pros and cons that you and I just laid out. But um, just to put a bow on this. I would go for it. I would explore it. Again, we'll see yeah. if the Heat actually have the room to do it. But if they do end up creating room at that kind of level, Dylan Brooks is a guy that I would have pretty high up on my board. It's also not a great free agent class, worth keeping in mind. Yeah. Um, no, I, and I agree 100%. And look, with Victor Oladipo's injury, uh, you know, Caleb Martin, and you're, the probable loss of Max Struess in free agency, you're going to need to shore up that depth in one way or another. Bringing another uh, defensive-minded wing player can only help. And again, we talked about the positives of him being able to play up in terms of his position, his shooting ability, which we think can probably restore, regress to whatever it was before the last couple of seasons. I think he's a good fit. And I, I, you don't worry about the lock. You don't worry about the locker room culture thing because this team is strong enough, stable enough to incorporate that and handle it. He's. I, I think it's being overblown. I don't think he was hated in that locker room. The and, Grizzly, I think a lot of, and the Grizzlies were a mess, and he kind of is—he's yeah. being sort he of wasn't scapegoated. The biggest problem there. He's being he scapegoated not, yeah, exactly. a little bit for this. He's not the problem there. I don't think that. I think he kind of fanned some flames, and I don't think he was helpful. But you're asking him to be the heart and soul of your locker room. That's going to happen in Miami. He's not going to be asked to be the heart and soul of that locker room. They yeah. already have that. I'll say this: nobody would care point. about everything he said if he was shooting forty-five percent from oh, three point. Yeah, that's also true. Uh, but he's not going to do that either. But I understand the point. Um, I talked to him for a story I wrote for Real GM. I think he's a really intelligent basketball player. He comes off as a doofus in media settings. I don't like that yeah. he walked out on the media those last two games. Um, that to me was weak. Oh, but what? Even as we're recording this, Mike Budenholzer fa fired by the Milwaukee Bucks. Wow. So that's what happens when you don't that. take a time out, I guess. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that that's, uh, that's pretty surprising. Anyway, um, that's for another show, I suppose. That'll do it. Uh, this was a nice little bonus episode uh, for you guys. A little off-season content during the whole postseason mix. Uh, Dylan Brooks, worth talking about. Definitely something we're going to keep exploring um, as the playoffs and then obviously once the off-season rolls around. So thanks again for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. You're going to remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. We're going to be back uh, Friday morning with uh, a preview with uh, Locked On Knicks. We're doing a crossover preview with Locked On Knicks for Game 3, uh, and then we'll be back over the weekend with a recap of Saturday's Game 3. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for joining me, David. <laughs> you got it, Wes.